Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, guest podcast editor for pediatrics. Dr. Parker is director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University in Stony Brook, New York. She also is a professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University Medical Center. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email info at sccm.org. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. Today is Monday, February 19, 2007. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. In our podcast today, we will be speaking with Arno Zaritsky, MD, about an article he and Dr. Ikram Haq published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in 2007 titled, Analysis of the Evidence for Lower Limit of Systolic and Mean Arterial Pressure in Children. Dr. Zaritsky is Professor and Chief of Pediatric Critical Care at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Margaret. <clears throat> Dr. Zaritsky, would you please give us some background on why you did this study and how the study was done? Well, the stimulus for doing this study came out in part from the International Sepsis uh, Guidelines in Pediatric Patients that was published last year. And as you probably recall, there was some specific recommendations about threshold blood pressures for defining when there was cardiovascular dysfunction. Um, Those were different from what we had been teaching in the Pediatric Advanced Life Support course, and they were also different from what was recommended in the Brain Trauma Foundation guidelines for blood pressure. So even though all of them reportedly were based on the same uh, national data set, uh, there, we, we were at a loss of explaining why they were different. So we were interested in looking at that and seeing if we could uh, determine more objectively what are the threshold blood pressures in children. So how did you do this study? We looked at the um, recent publication in 2004 from the Task Force on Blood Pressure Control in Children And this is a uh, data set uh, that really was designed to define the upper limits of blood pressure for defining hypertension, but it's based on a collection uh, from normal children, over 32,000 boys and 31,000 girls. So it's a very large data set. Uh, Then what we did was we looked at, in those data, they presented and have tables for the 95th percentile and the 50th percentile as well as some percentiles in between. And since these are uh, smooth data, then what we calculated was that the difference between the 50th percentile and the 95th percentile should be the same as the difference between the 50th percentile and the 5th percentile. So we simply utilized those data to come up with what would be the 5th percentile systolic blood pressure for age. So what did you find when you did this analysis? So what we found is that the... um, formula that has been used in the past for uh, estimating the uh, systolic blood pressure for age, uh, at least in the pediatric advanced life support course, tends to overestimate the actual fifth percentile. But importantly, what we also found is that there is a good bit of variation uh, within a specific age because children are of different heights. And it turns out that height is actually a pretty good predictor of your blood pressure. Uh, So in a specific age, we found that there may be as much as a 20% difference 
for that age between the fifth percentile and child who was 95th percentile for height versus the fifth percentile for a child who was at the fifth percentile for height uh, for that particular age. Uh, the, the estimate that we came up with, and again, I, I need to emphasize this is in normal children, is that the fifth percentile can be estimated as uh, two times the age in years plus 65, so a little lower than the plus 70 that we had used previously. What is the importance of the fact that there's such variation in the definitions of normal blood pressures in children? Well, I mean, the, the formulas that we came up with are ways of at least estimating what are the thresholds uh, for a specific age. And if you wanted to adjust for height, you can do that by adding uh, two millimeters of mercury to that blood pressure for every quartile that the child is either above or below in terms of height. So if somebody's at the 90th percentile, then you would add four millimeters of mercury to the estimated formula. But I think more importantly, as we started to look at the literature, we recognized that those blood pressures that we have been using are based on blood pressures in normal children. And in critically ill children, for example, the trauma patient, there are some fairly large data sets which have identified the fact that if a child comes in with a blood pressure that's less than the 50th percentile or the 75th percentile systolic blood pressure for age, their risk of mortality goes up substantially. So I think it really should cause all of us in pediatric critical care to question what is the appropriate blood pressure threshold that we should be worried about in the individual patient. So what are the implications of this study, both for clinical practice and for future revisions of guidelines? We've got the PALS guidelines, the Brain Trauma Foundation, the Pediatric Sepsis guidelines, all potentially having different recommendations. How do we take the data from your study and use it in future guideline development? Well, I think as in the nature of many studies, uh, the results of this study raises questions. And the way to address the question is that we need more prospective data collection. We have a hint that our threshold values are probably not right. When you look at the um, threshold blood pressures that were selected empirically for the development of the pediatric logistic uh, outcome uh, organ system dysfunction scale, I should say, or what's called the PLOD score, um, that uses a threshold blood pressure to start assigning points that is a good bit higher than what we would consider acceptable blood pressure for age. Has your practice changed based on the findings in this study? I don't think our practice has changed so much um, other than really in terms of an understanding that uh, blood pressure is not a very good endpoint for targeting uh, resuscitation. I think because um, one of the things that I have been involved in is helping to develop and then revise the pediatric advanced life support course is I think that we recognized in this most recent uh, revision that the way that we were defining compensated versus decompensated shock was really not as helpful as we would have liked. And so we have changed the terminology around a little bit, and we talk about hypotensive shock versus non-hypotensive shock, but the severity of shock can be quite substantial even when you're not overtly hypotensive, and that's one of the points that we want to make. Uh, in terms of the appropriate threshold for blood pressure, I think it really depends on the clinical condition of the patient. So if you're dealing with a head trauma patient, 
it's likely that we should be making the blood pressure as as best as we can with resuscitation at a higher range, whether it's the 50th percentile or the 75th percentile, I don't know. On the other hand, when I'm dealing with a child who has, for example, a cardiomyopathy and I'm maximally afterload reducing that child, I'm willing to tolerate lower blood pressures and I have to use other markers of adequacy of tissue perfusion. So what should the clinician be using for goals for resuscitation? Uh, that's the $64,000 question. I think we're all trying to figure that out. Um, you know, on the adult side, they're using the venous oxygen saturation monitoring. Um, we hopefully will have catheters that will be able to do that in pediatric patients as well, you know, appropriately sized catheters. Um, but whether that's in and of itself sufficient, uh, my own personal biases is that it's it's a question of combining several different sources of information to determine whether you have adequate resuscitation of that patient or not. Do you have any final comments for us today? I think that uh, our take-home message is that uh, the threshold values that we're using to define cardiovascular dysfunction in certain specific settings really need to be looked at again. And uh, we shouldn't assume that somebody is stable in a cardiovascular state simply because their blood pressure is higher than the fifth percentile in a normal, healthy, resting child. We would expect a sick patient to have a baseline blood pressure that's elevated. Thank you very much for being with us today, Dr. Zaritsky. Thank you, Margaret. We have been speaking with Dr. Arno Zaritsky, Professor and Chief of Pediatric Critical Care at the University of Florida College of Medicine, about analysis of the evidence for lower limit of systolic and mean arterial pressure in children, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in 2007. This concludes our podcast. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. If you have comments, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, please call the Society of Critical Care Medicine's audio feedback line at 1-847-493-6498 to share your thoughts. Pediatric Critical Care Medicine is the official journal of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, offering the latest information about critical care to healthcare professionals, as well as continuing education credit. Members of the pediatric section receive PCCM as a member benefit. For more information, visit www.sccm.org. Thanks again for listening. Gain a multi-professional practice-enhancing perspective on cornerstone interventions and current controversies in treating anemia in the critically ill and injured patient during the second installment of SCCM's Clinical Focus Series, Anemia in the Critically Ill and Injured Patient, to be held April 12th through the 13th, 2007, in San Antonio, Texas, USA. Expert intensive care providers from multiple disciplines and specialties will stimulate thought-provoking discussions through compelling examinations of anemia and transfusion practice, red blood cell transfusion indications and associated risks, and transfusion reduction and alternatives. Register today by visiting www.sccm.org or calling 1-847-827-6888.